0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Now You Know podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Vega. Hey, God bless you. This is Pastor Mark Vega with another episode of Now You Know. I think it's important for you to know what today is considered a myth, a taboo, We're tackling subjects that are not often spoken about and things that I think you should have under your belt as a man or woman of God. And so today, I want to talk to you from the subject, the trap of temptationless Christianity, the trap of temptationless Christianity. For me, this is important. Again, the trap of temptationless Christianity. We are emotional beings that have God-given feelings that must be pruned and developed by the Holy Spirit himself via the fruit of the Spirit. This is important because as you mature in the faith, you're going to have a temptation to allow feelings to govern your actions, feelings to govern your decisions, feelings to govern Where you're going to live, who you're going to marry, where you're going to work, what your major is, what profession you choose, what you do with the call. That's why I believe that subjective feelings are assassinating objective facts. Let me break that down to you. Subjective feelings, right? The way I feel subjectively, how I feel is killing the objective word of God. What do you mean by that? Let me break it down a little more. This generation is guilty of describing, we're great at describing how it feels, but we can't show you where it's found in scripture. Again, I can tell you how it feels, but not where it's found. This is important because we see far too many people making decisions that are gonna have lasting ramifications, repercussions, and reverberations for generations to come and we're making those decisions using our feelings, being led by our feelings. In other words, in other words, we believe we've subscribed to the theology that God wants us to be happy. No, the joy of the Lord is your strength, but happiness has always and will always depend on happenings. If our emotions are not put in check, We will easily deviate from the truth. That's why the richest and wisest man on the face of the earth wrote in Proverbs 14 12, there is a way that seems right. There's a way that seems good. It connects with every sense that you have in your body hearing, seeing, touching, tasting, smelling. There's a way that seems right. It seems correct. It seems logical. It seems wise. There's a way. That seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. What does that mean? What that simply means is that if we allow our feelings to sit on the throne of our hearts, every decision that we make, will make it based on our feeling, based on our mood, based on the trend, on the temporal. If we're happy, we'll make a certain decision if we're sad we'll make a certain decision i make great decisions when i'm happy yeah but i make detrimental ones when you're sad in other words we got to understand that our emotions our emotions need to be put on check you can't follow your heart your heart will lead you to hell and i know that i know that disney has sold us has sold us the narrative That we ought to follow our heart. But the Bible will tell you that following your heart leads you to hell. So that's why this is important, right? And we can no longer allow subjective feelings to assassinate objective facts. What does that mean? Well, that means that that a feeling, a feeling, man, you know, I I like that guy. He makes me feel good. I like that girl. She makes me happy. But if there's if they have no relationship with God, you are assassinating, you're putting on the altar, you're dismembering, you're burning. You are, you are mutilating a biblical principle, which is do not be unequally yoked. Irregardless if they make you feel good, irregardless of how they make you feel. We're allowing this culture to define, to define what, what a man is, what a woman is. Last time I checked a man and a woman was a man and a woman were both created by God to honor God to serve God to please God to worship God and our main goal in this alignment is us making God happy by pleasing him by pleasing him that's why this is so important because when we sign up for when we sign up for a temptationless Christianity, we believe we're under the false notion that Christians should not get tempted and they should not struggle. And they not only should not struggle, but if I feel an urge to sin, it must be because I'm doing something wrong. No, my friend, I'm here to tell you that the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all ways like we are, yet he was without sin. In other words, in this world, you will have many temptations. And the fact that you're being tempted does not mean that you are in a bad place. It does not mean that God is chastising you. What it means is that you are a human. You have feelings, and those feelings are being put to the test. Now, this is important because... There's a teaching that Jesus gave in, in Luke chapter number 11 and, 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 and verse number 23 and 24. And he talks about when a spirit comes out of a house. He says the spirit comes out of a house and he goes along dry, arid places seeking rest. And he's going to go back to the house he came from. He's going to go back to the house he came from. In other words, that spirit that came out of that house that you were delivered from will go back. He will have a reroute and go back. It don't matter how you were delivered. It don't, matter. it don't matter if you were slain in the spirit. If you cut it at the root, it's going to come back to see if you're ready, if you're ready or if you're not ready, if you're full or not full, if you're prayed up or not prayed up, if you're in your word or not in your word, if you're walking this walk or are you just talking the talk. And before he comes in, he's going to grab seven worse and making those seven worse enter you, perturbing you, binding you, making your, making you worse than the than you were in your original state. And this is why, and this is why this this teaching is important because when when that spirit comes to check to see if your house is empty or full, he does so via a desire, a.k.a. temptation. He He's going to see if your house is empty or full, and that comes in form of a desire. If you were delivered from a particular sin, I want you to know that that sin has access to check back with you in due season to see if you have longevity of deliverance. If you have longevity of deliverance, then he cannot enter. There's a no vacancy sign. He cannot cannot occupy you the way he did. And you will continue growing, but you will be tempted. So that's why you cannot sign up for this theology of temptationless Christianity. They told me when I was growing up in the faith that temptations, God would deliver you from all temptations and god would deliver you from sin and nothing can be further from the truth we need to be in touch with our emotions because god does not change your emotions he gives you fruit so that you can so that you can perfect your emotions with the fruit of the spirit but let me ask you a question when you came to the lord and you like chocolate cake you were a sinner you like chocolate cake you got saved transformed by the power of God, regenerated. Your mind was renewed, your spirit was regenerated, and your body became the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you, were you delivered from liking chocolate cake? No, no. I was a Yankee fan before I got saved. I got saved and I still, I'm still a Yankee fan. What does that mean? What does that mean, Pastor? What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, God delivers you from 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 one spiritual state to another, but your desires, your feelings, your emotions are untouched. You and I must submit them to the Lord so that God can voluntarily or volitionally prune them, perfecting us, giving us the the fruit of the spirit, the love so we 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 have a certain love, but once his love comes into play with our love, we're being being transformed. Our characteristic, our character, our temperament, our ego, our pride starts getting dealt with, and God starts cutting and snipping and pruning and perfecting us because he loves us. Isn't that crazy? just because he loves us. But you will be tempted. You will have an internal desire to sin, particularly the sins that you would give yourself to. And the fact that you are being tempted does not mean that God is far from you. Jesus was tempted in all ways. doesn't mean that he was far from the Father. It doesn't mean that the Father was far from him. It doesn't mean that he stopped being jesus this is important you know there's one of the most fascinating verses in scripture which a lot of preachers don't like to talk about and it's found in second corinthians chapter 11 verse 29 paul is speaking to the church of corinth and he says something that sounds controversial but it's powerful he says who is weak And I am not weak. Then he says, who's led into sin? And you think he's going to say, and I am not led into sin. But do you know what he says? He says, who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who's led into sin? And I don't inwardly burn. Listen to that. I don't inwardly burn. I don't have desires to sin. I don't, I don't have temptations to sin. I don't have feelings that want to sin. I do, but I don't act on them. And that's why I rather inwardly burn with those desires than to manifest those desires, violating God and his word. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, we minister a lot to the gay community, as you guys know. A lot of us minister to the gay community. And it's 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 fascinating to me how many people, how many people are ignorant of the fact that you can burn with a desire to sin, like Paul. That's what Paul is saying, exegete that front word backward, backward do a historical biographical syntactical study it's more than diction it's 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 this is Paul and Paul is speaking I want you to get this because this is important is the, the focus right give it forethought right Paul is talking about judging himself in post control he's talking he's talking he's thinking through what he's writing and he chooses the words I inwardly burn Please don't tell me he's talking about burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. He's talking, look at the context. He's talking about being weak. He's talking about sinning. He's talking about his inner struggle. Paul had an inner struggle. And you're listening to this podcast, I just want you to know you're in good company. Now, Paul's inner struggle was kept that inner struggle. It was not he did not give himself to sin. He did, not, he did not exercise the feelings that he had. Are you listening? God is not—that's the problem we have with the—the the, the, the biggest problem Christians have with gay communities is that they believe that God is calling gay people to be straight. No, he's not. He's calling gay people to be more like Christ so that they can have the character of Christ. God's number one goal for a homosexual, lesbian, an LGBTQ plus person is not that they start liking the opposite sex, it's that they start loving him. God is not calling gay people to be straight, and he's not calling heterosexual people to be celibate. He's calling heterosexuals, homosexuals, and every other Homo sapien on the face of this, uh, of uh, of this seven billion plus blue people planet, to look more like him, to speak like him, to take his countenance, to take his character, to take his to take. We already have his image, but to take his word, John fifteen seven, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Right, whatever he asks for, the Father sh- will be done. But I just want I want to emphasize on this because Paul had an inward struggle. It doesn't matter what it was, the Bible doesn't give descriptives. You can assume, I can assume. We know what happens when people assume, but you can. You, it doesn't imply a specific sin, but it does tell us that Paul said, "I inwardly burn." So why is it so hard for people to understand that everyone has an inward struggle? There are things that your body, who, that, your body, by the way, is unsaved. Your body has not been regenerated. It, isn't it amazing? First, and I want you to get this because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says that we're spirit, soul, and body. We're to be kept blameless. At the coming of the Lord. Spiritually, you're a trichomatic being, you're three in one, just like God is three in one. Spiritually, spiritually, you are renewed and regenerated when you accept Christ. Soulically, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, right? The center command, the motherboard of your feelings, that must be renewed every single day because every day your soul backslides. Your body. Your flesh and blood will never, will never, have never been saved. Nothing has ever happened to your flesh. Your flesh continues to be a heathen, anti-God, a hypocrite, anti-faith, anti-word, anti-prayer. Your flesh hates God. Your flesh hates the word. Your flesh hates community, hates church, hates forgiveness. Your your flesh hates it hates anything and everything that has to do with god but your flesh will get its final redemption when we meet christ face to face either through the rapture or when we perish and we become absent in this body and we become present present with the lord then and only then will we have glorified bodies but your body Your body is going to crave what this world has to offer your body's going to crave that's why it's 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 very important for you to understand that you you are going to be dealing with temptations until until the day of redemption you will deal with temptation you will deal with struggle now many people easily forget that sexual impulses are side effects sometimes of a god-deficient heart in other words you can't and you should not just zero in or hone in on just the external manifestation because that can be a decoy a physical manifestation or an attraction sometimes we idolize attraction to such a degree that that's all we talk about that's all we think about that's all we focus on that's all we pray against all the while our hearts go unchecked and we stay offended we stay spiteful we stay rebellious angry jealous greedy lustful arrogant so let us, not, let us not put desire and attraction on the pedestal. Let us know that desire and attraction coexist with our flesh because it is the works of the flesh. And that's why Galatians 5.17 says that the spirit, your spirit and the flesh, they battle each other. They fight against each other. They wrestle each other so that you would not do what you ought. Why do you think when it's time to go to church, your flesh wants to stay home when it's time to read the word your flesh wants Netflix when it's time to pray your flesh wants to wants to play when it's time to congregate or commute or, or or be in community with your brothers and your sisters your flesh would rather do something outside of that spectrum because your flesh hates God I'm here to tell you you sleep with the enemy you you are your enemy your flesh is your enemy and temptation comes through the flesh it doesn't come through the devil it comes to the flesh and whatever open door we allow the flesh whatever open door we allow the flesh to execute will then will then allow satan to take full advantage of that which we understand Because scripture says it, that's why it says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. This is James 1.13. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anybody. But each person is tempted, it doesn't say by the devil, it says, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. There it is, your feelings, your desires, and they are enticed. Then, after desire, after attraction has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So it isn't sin in its original state of desire, it's sin after desire evolves into the defiance and the breaking of God's law, then it's a sin. So again, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully mature and grown, gives birth to death. And then he finishes saying, so don't be deceived, verse 16, James 1, my dear brothers and sisters, don't be deceived. Don't get it twisted. Don't, for once, for one second, don't believe, don't believe that because you're being tempted, that you are defying God, that the deliverance didn't really happen, that the healing didn't really come from God, that you were not really free. That was your emotions. That was your, no, no, no. You have been set free, but the enemy has come to see if you're going to be able to maintain the freedom that God has given you. I wish somebody today would understand the value, the purpose, and the power of 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 being tempted. What What, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, God is not calling you to a temptationless Christianity when you're experiencing a moment of debilitating, exhausting, disheartening temptation, just remember that in that same exact moment, in that same exact time, you have a high priest who in that same moment is empathizing with you and interceding for you, and you can talk to him in that very moment. He is your present help in time of need. So here's what This is biblical, again, biblical principle. Whenever, Whenever the fangs of temptation flare up against you, know that Jesus himself stands up for you, flares up for you as well. He poses, he flexes for you. Temptation flares, Jesus flexes. And the reason why he's flexing is because he's praying for you in that same moment. That's why the Bible says that at the same exact moment, you have a high priest who in that moment is empathizing with you and interceding for you. He starts to pray arduously for you. That's the power of Jesus. That's the power of God. Now, Jesus does not pray for you with fervor and power and passion like he does when you're being tempted i remember jesus telling peter peter satan has asked to sift you like wheat but i've prayed i have prayed as soon as satan tried to sift you i started praying for you and my prayer was that your faith would not fail are you being tempted with drugs? Are you being tempted with sex? Are you being tempted to walk out on your spouse? Are you being tempted to misappropriate some money? Are you being tempted to lord over your subordinates, your employees? What is the level of temptation? What is the manner of temptation? What is the magnitude of temptation? Because I'm going to tell you that if you give that temptation to God and you don't exercise, you don't execute, you don't manifest, you don't give in to, but you inwardly burn with it. Jesus Himself will begin to pray for you fervently, and passionately. and you see that that temptation is going to cease and desist. I've learned that temptation, when habitually kept at a distance, ceases to exist. But you got to live a life conducive to honoring God. You have to live a life conducive of holiness you can't you can't be dressing like a hoochie and and expect god to have his way with you you can't you can't talk like you a thug and cursing up a storm and think that god is going to stand up and pray for you you can't dress and this is for every young man and every young woman you can't dress in such a way that you're attracting the kind of people that you're not strong enough to flee from i'm gonna say that again you cannot dress in such a way that you're attracting the kind of people you're not strong enough to flee from if you were delivered from the gay lifestyle why are you following three four hundred homosexuals and lesbians on instagram if you were delivered from a lust spirit, from homo, from heterosexuality, from heterosexual promiscuity. If you were a dog back in the day, and you were womanizer back in the day, God delivered you, got healed, you got saved, you got manifested his presence in you. You know you should not be following the 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 thing, the very thing that God is calling you to flee from. I'm convinced we are following. God told me years ago. My people are following things they should be fleeing from. When temptation rises, it is not time to pray. It isn't time for Vigilia. It isn't time to worship. When temptation rises, put on your sneakers, put your Nikes on. put your deed, run and run, flee. Flee from temptation. Flee from youthful desires. Flee. Why is that important? Because if I if I if I don't understand the value of what God is doing in me, I won't guard it. And if I don't guard it, I'll become vulnerable. If i become vulnerable, I'll become easy prey. I'd rather pray P-R-A-Y than become P R E Y pray and so my friend i'm here to tell you as we close out do not do not subscribe for temptationless for temptationless for desireless christianity if you're a christian and you are a son of god a child of god temptation comes with the package and don't let the devil tell you you see you used to be homosexual. And you said God delivered you, but now you're having same-sex attractions. That's a lie. Lie, a lie, lie, pants on fire. You've been saved. You've been delivered. You've been healed. You've been healed. Hold on to your deliverance. The fact that you're being tempted does not mean, does not mean, does not mean that you are not delivered. The fact that, the fact that you're being tempted doesn't mean you are not delivered you were delivered from promiscuity fornication heterosexually you were delivered from lusting over the opposite sex or well, listen when you get delivered and you get freed the blood of jesus washes you and cleanses you and all you're still gonna like the op- you're still gonna be attracted to the opposite sex that's that's how you get married god does not take the desire and vanish it like i said before If you like Spanish food, you're still going to like Spanish food. If you like a certain color, you're still going to like a certain color. What you're going to dislike is sin. What you're going to dislike are the things that God dislikes. But don't try to help God. Don't try to write another portion and add it to God's word. Celebrate your youth. Celebrate your uniqueness. Celebrate the fact that God himself sent his son to not only die on the cross, but to deliver us from death. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into glory, sat down at the right hand of the father, is interceding for us. And we're sitting beside him, Ephesians says. That is our positional place. But while we are here on earth and we are we are coated and clothed in this birthday suit, Yes, we have a regenerative spirit. Yes, we have a renewed mind, but we are clothed in grave clothes. We have flesh, and flesh desires everything that is contrary to God's will. So, my brother, the fire of God over your life, continue burning. And not only burning with Holy Ghost-filled fire, baptized I'm not just talking about just burning with the fire of God's glory and God's presence, but keep burning within. Keep burning even in those desires that you would just rather burn inwardly and say, God, you quench it. God, you put out this fire. God, you do what you know how to do best, but I will not give in to sin. I will not give in to temptation, and I will not give in to my struggle. This is Pastor Mark Vega, again telling you, "I love you, I bless you, and today I deliver you from the entrapment of living a temptationless Christianity. Be blessed and remember when temptation, when temptation flares, God flexes. Blessings.